welcome to this week's episode of the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about all things terrible, whether it be a murder, whether it be a building collapsing, whether it be a fire or something like that. Uh, my name is Emma Sexton and I am the host of this podcast and today I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Owie. Yes, Owie. I'm literally so excited to have you on because I feel like we've been talking about you being on the podcast mm-hmm. for like months <laughs> and I've always just been like, you know, I want to have... because. I always knew what case we were going to do. But then I was like, I really need to have have enough time to like research it. You know what I mean? Sure. And so now it's finally here. The day is here. I was just telling Owie, guys, we literally, usually I have like five to six pages of notes per episode. And this week I have 11 pages. So we literally have so much to cover. Like it's (laughs) not even funny. But Owie, first, I want to ask you the question I ask every single first time guest on this podcast, which is, what is your relationship with true crime? Like, how much do you know about it? Have you watched podcast or listen to podcasts or like watch movies? Like, how much do you know? What are you interested in? Um, so I've been a big fan of this particular podcast for a good while. Ooh. Like, I've been <laughs> listening to this like since uh, since September, and um, I've been into like reading um stuff too. Like, I do like my own research because um, I'm like a psych major too. So like forensics kind of like fascinate me. So like. I've done some research about, like, Ted Bundy and stuff, and um, I've also, like, watched movies and such. Like, I'm pretty interested in it. It's I think it's super cool. That's awesome. Did you hear about the new... They just released a brand new Ted Bundy series on Amazon. Like, okay. And so, did you ever watch um, that movie with Zac Efron? Yes. Okay, so you know the girl in it, Elizabeth Kendall? Like, how she's a real person mm-hmm. and stuff? It's... In the new Amazon series, it's like the first time she's ever been interviewed on camera, and they got her daughter to interview on oh camera. Oh my god! I know. I'm like really excited to watch it, but I haven't because I just started staying in my dorm, and I'm like, bro, I li- I cannot listen to this if I know I'm gonna be sleeping in my dorm because it just I get freaked out. You yeah. know what I mean? Because it's just ugh, it's just so creepy. Like if I watch it before I go to bed. I totally get freaked out like yeah especially because like you're living on a college campus yeah exactly (laughs) exactly it's in my dorm though I'm really lucky because my dorm is feels really safe because Mm -hmm. it's like it's this giant building and to get into the building you have to have a key card so like you have to have a key card to get into the building in the first place and then you have to go to someone's door and you have to insert your key card and enter your own like personal password to even get in and every person has their own like password that works for their door and only their door. So like you have to get through like two different oh, wow. layers of security to get into somebody's room. That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and plus the RAs will like stop you in uh-huh. the halls if you're like, if they're like, well, what are you doing here? You mm-hmm. look too old to be here or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like pretty safe. But there's other dorms on my campus that are like, it's just a wall like with it's just like a building and the doors face the outside like a big like grass area or like some doors face like a parking lot yeah and i'm like oh i would not yeah, <laughs> i would not be cool. okay with Open that space that's kind of dangerous yeah and also just like it's california i'm not used to seeing open space like ever mm-hmm. so yeah that would just freak me out 100%. Yeah, definitely but um i am very excited for today's case mm-hmm. because Owie does not know this, but we are actually actually doing a case that you suggested. Oh, yeah. Yay. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Because also, I wanted to do this case, and I was like, you know why? Uh, 
first of all, okay, so we're doing a case about this cult in Japan, mm-hmm. right? And Aoi, you were originally from Japan. Yes. So it's du- it's double good because A, <laughs> she knows the culture and B, she can help me pronounce things, which is just <laughs> so necessary for this case. So I'm like really excited. Mm-hmm. I literally was floored because I had never heard of this before. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's so weird the fact that like, pretty much the only true crime cases that get talked about really are like ones that happen in america yeah and like of course jack the ripper but that's Mm -hmm. like it Mm -hmm. you think of like other countries uh i mean japan or italy which we've covered on here or germany which i've covered on here Mm -hmm. it's just like i have never heard of some of these things which are just insane like crazy i've never heard about this case before and then i was looking into it and i was like oh my god this is insane insane." (laughs) like not even just the actual crime that was committed Mm -hmm. but like the scale of this cult is crazy Mm -hmm. like insane and the fact that this is a cult that stretches like multiple countries is okay i didn't know about that yeah (laughs) this cult was is big in russia too which is like wild to me because i've never heard of a cult that spanned different countries like i've never researched one that did but you, like you know, well, I don't know if they were technically, but the Beatles, they were kind of in kind of in something like that with the Maharishi and stuff. Really? So I think I don't know why. I so you know the series called Explained, and on Netflix. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yes. And they did an episode about cults, and I'm pretty sure they like popped up in like a couple of clips. Of, I was like, oh, so were they in a cult? I could see them being in a cult a hundred percent, just because like, I feel like they would be like, oh, let's have this experience and do like meditation and stuff. And then they'd just like accidentally be in a cult. Like I could a hundred percent see Paul McCartney being like, oh God, I'm in a cult. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he, he seems the type of just like getting, and John Lennon would know what was going on the entire time. Oh, He's yeah. like, yeah, we're definitely in a fucking cult. I'm okay with it. But I'm like very, <sighs> this case blew my mind literally blew my mind i'm sitting here i'm like talking to because while i was researching um harley was here and i was just talking to him i'm like i can't believe i've never heard of this before Mm -hmm. so i'm very how did you know about this okay so weird story my parents uh not the quite traditional japanese parents um they raised okay so they let me watch like some questionable stuff on television and there was one day where there was like um, there's this like TV program that covers a lot of like I think it was like a, actually about true crime and stuff and one of the episodes was about this and then basically like I was like eight or nine or something and I watched this entire episode not knowing what the concept of cult is let alone like crime so yeah. it was very interesting to see why is she trapped in a box I don't understand and stuff yeah so I just thought and then like later on I like i discovered that oh okay i see what it is yeah Yeah. i feel like so many people who are into true crime now had that experience where it's like you're you're a kid Mm -hmm. and you don't know that like everyone sucks and then you (laughs) see something like that and you're just like oh my god what is this world like Mm -hmm. what am i living in so many people that i talk to about true crime have that same thing where it's like you see an episode of a show or like Mm -hmm. part of a documentary when you're like 10 and it just sticks with you for the rest of your life oh, yeah. and you grow up with a morbid fascination <laughs> of true crime it's just it's such a weird thing like mm-hmm. parents watch out watch out what you show your kids because they so might true. end up like us uh-huh. and <laughs> you know the thing is though 
it's just like different people i i guess it manifests in different ways because like i could talk about true crime on a podcast every single week mm-hmm. and i'm like okay it actually makes me feel better to talk about it but if i get an ad for a horror movie on youtube like i will just shut my phone off like i <laughs> i would rather just turn off my phone completely than see an ad for a horror movie on yeah. youtube so mm-hmm. i i don't know like different people have different things that yeah. just like weird them out or make them really happy like mm-hmm. i know people that love horror movies and like that's oh all they want to watch and i'm like no Honestly, me too i am the type of person that laughs at horror movies <laughs> i can't <laughs> have you been getting all these ads on youtube for like the brams boy or whatever oh my god kid, we watched that kid? before right it was oh my god it was like last year like it was the christmas party that we had and like well no it was halloween oh my gosh and then we watched like the like the actual like the first original movie that was on if there was a horror movie i 100 percent dipped out like no no question i literally the only horror movie i've ever seen in my life is hereditary okay it scarred me it scars me to this day like (laughs) i it's by the guy who directed midsummer i don't don't know if you saw that but he does like kind of psycho thrillers but it's like no it's not psycho thriller it's like a psycho horror Mm -hmm. so it's just like terrifying and yeah i'll never never again never again (laughs) but yeah so anyway let's talk about some real horrible stuff Mm -hmm. okay so first of all you're gonna have to help me with the pronunciation of of the cult yeah because it's spelled a u m Mm-hmm. s-h-i-n-r-i-k-y-o okay uh, i'm gonna show it to you and yeah. you're gonna help okay. me pronounce it <laughs> so the, the pronunciation of this is om shin rikyo is okay it? so that's what it's called om like om like om om shin rikyo shin rikyo om mm-hmm. shin rikyo shin rikyo yeah rikyo yeah that's good enough <laughs> okay <laughs> you know what we're we're trying our best here but mm-hmm. that is so okay that's so helpful i would pronounce that completely <laughs> wrong so om shinriko mm-hmm. okay this cult uh started in the 1980s so we're going we're going back a couple years it started in the 1980s and at first people really did not think this was a cult in japan like it was actually a verified religious organization like it was called a hundred percent like this is a religion mm-hmm. and people truly believed it was and it was actually started by this guy called shoku shoko mm-hmm. asahara mm-hmm. Is that pronounce it? okay yeah. great so uh asahara he had experienced like he had these imaginary situations in his in his head in like 1985 where he was like he claimed that this god named shiva had mm-hmm. like come to him in a dream and had told him that he was uh and i quote the god of light who leads the armies of the gods and (laughs) he believed that he was the person who was going to build shambhala uh the kingdom of shambhala and create a utopian society and he believed that he was going to develop psychic powers and later on he would go he would claim that he was the second coming of christ (laughs) so um (laughs) First of all, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it right here. Not in the greatest mental state as of this mm-hmm. moment because he's clearly having like visions and delusions. Yeah. And so already we know, and even from later on in his life, we know that he'll have a deteriorating mental state like from this point until the end of his life. Like he, he was kind of just constantly getting more and more like out of touch with reality. Yeah. But when he started this cult it wasn't seen as like the 
the army of gods who leads people in the light. It was seen as this religion for academics who didn't enjoy, enjoy like traditional religious practices. Mm-hmm. It was actually something seen for like more upper class people. Okay. Which is kind of interesting because a lot of times cults tend to target, like I look at Heaven's Gate and it's like, they tend to target people who are uh, rejected by society yeah. or people who are seen as like outcasts mm-hmm. who um, need somewhere to fit in. Yeah, like- but this was not like that Mm -hmm. this was like if you are in the upper class kind of and you are an academic you're involved in universities you're a smart person and like you want to be with this group of people like a lot of people were doing that and seeing it as like their religion oh yeah yeah because like normally um you know because like cults tend to like target like very vulnerable people like especially young people Mm -hmm. like they recruit a bunch of like teenagers and like college students so it's very like ironic to see that on this um oh yeah okay so i think i read somewhere that the youngest person in the cult was like 35 really yeah so there was it was like mostly older people who were really intelligent and in the upper classes which is very strange like not like any other cult i've ever read about in my entire life i look at like the manson cult or uh, heaven's gate not like that whatsoever um and this cult actually incorporated aspects of christianity and buddhism into like them into their doctrine and mostly they used really provocative verses so like in the bible one of the most i guess like out there chapters of the entire bible is revelation because it talks about like the end times and like what's gonna happen in hell and all that stuff so a lot of like the doctrine they used came from books like revelation in the bible and things that basically predicted like an apocalypse Mm -hmm. because remember what this guy asahara wanted to do was kind of create this utopian society so he believed that there had to be an apocalyptic end for that to happen Mm -hmm. but still like a lot of upper class people were in this group kind of wild (laughs) Um, and so one of the things that they put in their doctrinal, like, beliefs was that they were on the quest for ultimate truth. Yeah. And many members adopted the lifestyle of, like, a missionary. They were very, like, humble lifestyles, Mm -hmm. and they were into spreading the good news about, like, what the ultimate truth of, like, the world and that they needed to create this society. Yeah. And they actually, (laughs) this is kind of a fun fact, um, the... So Asahara, he actually was gifted a armored Mercedes <laughs> by oh someone who God. followed him because they believed that he was like going to be attacked and stuff. But yeah, so they were very humble, except for they had this gigantic like armored car that they drove <laughs> around in, which I found like very hilarious. Um, and they also in their recruitment, there was this thing called the Ohm Salvation Plan. Mm-hmm. So basically they told people like we can cure your physical illness and like we yeah. will help you with using our intelligence and positive thinking. Like we'll help you make something of yourself and like focus your life and it'll be like you're going to accomplish going to this higher state of being than like everyone else yeah. is on. Hashtag self-care. Yeah. <laughs> So they also believed that there were these teachings, um, these like ancient teachings that said that there was this thing called threefold salvation, which is basically like you do these, you accomplish these like three aspects of life and then you're like saved, you have salvation, you're going to like go to the next level. And so all this like recruitment and preaching and like going out there and having these high level members made this cult one of the fastest growing religions in Japanese history. Like- It was the cult got big fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So 
actually though on even though this cult looked like nice on the outside because they were like we're all about positive thinking and like making you a better person in society and being humble and cool yeah even though it looked like that on the outside on the inside some messed up stuff was going on of course um and in 1996 there's a book called the cult at the end of the world and it was like talking about this cult in detail Mm -hmm. and they actually said that in their initiation rituals they would like make their members take lsd and things like that and that a lot of times they claimed that they had all these studios and stuff where they were supposedly doing like yoga and meditation Mm -hmm. but they would also do things for like if people tried to say like i don't want to be a part of the cult anymore they would do shock therapy on them or like force them to hang upside down for a long period of time and they called it like yoga and Girl, meditation that ain't, that ain't. but it was really like messed up stuff going on like behind the scenes of this whole thing that's like some hardcore hazing <laughs> truly mm-hmm. truly this is the world's scariest frat <laughs> <laughs> but still like this whole time though like in the early 80s and even the late 80s like before the 90s this group was not like this group was not anything this was like mormonism you know it was yeah. like a newer religion but still like it wasn't a criminal religion like yeah. it was just normal and like people were in it and just because they were in it didn't mean they were committing any crimes basically that's what they thought mm-hmm. um but the cult was very also very rapidly expanding they were building these thing compounds i put in air quotes Uh, And, like, these facilities. And they actually had, like, 14 fake companies attributed to the cult, which they would use to purchase land uh, in uh, Namino. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, great. Um, And they bought, like, tons and tons of land in the city. And they started, like, creating these compounds. And in the compounds, they actually started to create... um, like, they wanted to start testing biological and chemical weapons and, like, the production of them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, not great. And another crazy thing about this cult is that this cult literally had this thing called the Ministry of Science within their cult. So, like, their cult had its own, like, a little government almost. It oh was, like, God. terrifying. And so they had the people, like, these really intelligent scholars and, like, chemists that working in their ministry of science to develop, like, biological and chemical weapons in these 14 compounds that no one knew they had. Like, the public kind of knew what was going on. The people Mm -hmm. in that city, like, knew what was going on. But it was, like, a really small area. So no one could, like, they knew that something was suspicious, but no one had any evidence of the cult actually doing, like, illegal stuff. You know what I mean? So, eventually, like, there was, okay, so there was some wild stuff going on um, in the 80s. They actually, at one point, had a police investigation where some of the members of the cult were arrested. And um, because of that, because of some of the members being arrested, their first stockpile of biological and chemical weapons were completely destroyed by Asahara. He was so scared of, like, police raids that he was like, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to, like, do something else. (laughs) Obviously, that didn't last long, as you will find out later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But after he, like, destroyed all this stuff, they were doing, they were trying to figure out other ways to, like, get members involved, which is weird because you wouldn't think using biological and chemical weapons would be the best way to attract members. But I guess that's what they were going for. So they also, they started doing television appearances. Like he was, in 1992, they had, um, 
a broadcasting station, like a radio station set up for their cult that was ran out of Russia in 1992. What the hell? So even though Asahara like wasn't, he was, like we said, his mental health was deteriorating like a lot and he was actually suicidal in 1992. Oh shit. And so he kind of, started to cut himself off from society because he was also having hallucinations and like he was paranoid all the time and so he like stopped doing public appearances on tv and stuff but he would always do that radio station every single like every week he was doing that and he told people that um society was stopping him from becoming christ like he was (laughs) really uh, not great and he started like so before his mental health was seriously deteriorating there were a lot of like females in the cult and we're like we're know where this is going (laughs) but eventually like he fired all the women who were heads of the cult and replaced them with jet like males who were larger like Uh physically larger and he wanted to start a violent um campaign to try to seize power (laughs) from the japanese government oh my goodness Oh. wild and in 1992 um he actually published like this pamphlet which was called declaring myself the christ <laughs> he did it guys he did he it did- <laughs> all you have to do these days is just declare yourself the christ mm-hmm. and then you are congratulations <laughs> um he actually also talked about like he would say prophecies and things like he said that there was a third world war coming and that there was going to be like a nuclear <laughs> I mean, <laughs> mm, I mean, I hate to break it to you, <laughs> but like he would talk about Armageddon and like nuclear war. He would quote from revolution or revolution, revelation all the time. And he wanted to like basically be Christ and like take the sins of the world is what he would say. But it was just really like uh, it was it's just That's... like wild. <laughs> and he said that there were conspiracies everywhere. And I love this. I saw this online. He said that there were conspiracies that were carried on by the British royal family. <laughs> and I just love that this cult was just like, we hate the queen. Like, that is just hilarious oh to me that a cult would be like, yeah, we hate the queen. Like, bro, we have our own emperor and empress. Yeah. What about them? But okay, so the queen of England, like, yeah, that's like goodbye. Across the <laughs> but so that was all happening in 1992. But now we're going to go back a tiny bit because um, I talked about the broadcasting station and everything, but their kind of ideal to do a violent campaign actually started in the late 80s, not okay. in the 90s, even though most of their infamy comes from terrorism that they committed in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually, in 1989, was like the beginning of their super violent acts. So yeah. um, I'm going to need your help with pronunciation on yes, this first name. <laughs> uh, which one? Okay. Tsutsumi Sakamoto. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Tsutsumi Sakamoto. I think you could just refer them to the last name. Yeah. Sakamoto is easier to pronounce, I think. My english speaking (laughs) i took asl in high school so i literally it is embarrassing how little of other languages i can speak besides asl like dude i actually really want to learn asl at least it's amazing so cool i love it oh my gosh when i was a hostess at ruby's like Mm -hmm. i because i don't know if you know this but orange county actually has a really large deaf community so like people who were deaf would come in occasionally and it was so nice because i could like talk to them they were Mm. people like honestly take for granted just like being able to communicate with everyone because like 
they would it would surprise me that it would like make people's day if i could just like sign to them even if it was mediocre like it would make their day that you're just like trying yeah because it's like super rare too so you know we should take more languages yeah high schools and stuff i actually went to japan and um yeah i think that one of the main things that we realized is that a lot of japanese people can speak english like Mm -hmm. pretty well but the thing is like it seems like they don't they kind of get nervous about speaking english the same way i would get nervous about speaking japanese but like so we learned like a little bit of japanese Mm -hmm. like as much as we could in a short amount of time it's a hard language but we learned a little bit of japanese and then like went to japan Mm -hmm. and so that when like we needed directions or something we would try to speak japanese first Mm -hmm. and then people would see how badly we were butchering it and feel better about (laughs) trying to speak (laughs) english to us so it was nice like everyone was so nice and helpful and Mm -hmm. like it was yeah it was great but i I think like moral of the story i just feel like you have you just got to try, mm-hmm. put yourself out there, and eventually someone will feel bad for you and help you. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Who knows a little bit of English, at least. Mm-hmm. Like, just try to learn other languages. For sure. But, yes. Yeah, so, um, Sakamoto was actually a Japanese anti-cult lawyer. So, like, he got a reputation as an anti-cult lawyer because he actually had a class action lawsuit against the Unification Church, which was another cult in Japan. And uh, he actually was able to use, like, a public campaign uh, and use, like, this public attention to bring the Unification Church down in this lawsuit. And they had to eventually declare bankruptcy. So he was able to, like, take down this entire cult basically by himself, like, complete badass. So um, he's this known as an anti-cult lawyer. And so he planned to do the same thing to um, Asahara's cult. And, like, he wanted to have this public campaign and, like, take them down the same way he did the Unification Church. However, this did not work out as he planned because, you know, they're already a violent cult. Mm -hmm. So Sakamoto, one day in 1989, um, he and his wife and his child go missing from their apartment and they're never seen again. And the police didn't connect this murder to the cult because... He wasn't considered a violent leader at this time. Still considered just a religion. Like, the cult was still considered just a religion. Mm -hmm. So, they also did... (laughs) I wrote they also did some other cute things before their, like, most... (laughs) Before their (laughs) biggest, like, what they're most known for. Which included, um, they tried to make a thousand automatic rifles, um, but ended up only being able to make one. (laughs) Uh, they extorted hospital patients and they like tried to so they were back to trying to make biological and chemical weapons so they were trying to grow anthrax Mm -hmm. um and so what they did was they got anthrax except it wasn't like a pure strain i guess of anthrax so they brought it to the top of the building where they were holding their quote-unquote yoga classes Mm -hmm. and they threw it off the roof trying to like kill people to see if it would work but it didn't work and people were just like it smells weird (laughs) but they didn't have any idea like people were trying to do a biological attack against you but after that after that like failure of anthrax they started making chemical weapons again oh great which we really truly hate Mm -hmm. um they also tried to assassinate people that they found to be dangerous to the cult uh they tried to assassinate people who were head of buddhist sects and they even tried to assassinate this guy who was a cartoonist called uh yoshinori 
mm-hmm. Kobayashi. Okay. And uh, he like made cartoons in the newspapers, like mm-hmm. making fun of the cult, basically. Yeah, so being, like, like political cartoons. Yeah, stuff. just political cartoons. And so they tried to assassinate him. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we. That makes me so nervous. But you know, it's fine. Um, and so they were doing this pretty much up until 1993. Then they start focusing on chemical weapons. In uh, there's this like division they literally it's so weird because i read about this and they had like a health minister within the cult and things like this where it was like people literally had positions where they would try to like advance their usage of chemical weapons and things like that like it was crazy so uh they were starting to produce more and more chemical weapons Mm -hmm. and they actually started manufacturing sarin gas and VX gas, which I never heard of, but apparently it's the it's like this chemical weapon. They didn't use it for any of the mass attacks, but oh, okay. they used it to assassinate like individual people. Damn. And they were testing this in Australia. They tested Australia. it on. They tested it on sheep. They sheep? killed. They killed like twenty nine sheep. What the hell? I know that made me more upset than I what thought it would. What did they do to you? My God. <laughs> I know. I feel like sheep are one of the only successes in like we have a a symbiotic relationship like they can't have wool on their bodies mm-hmm. all the time so we, we need them. wool to make clothes mm-hmm. so it works and then you're just like bro let me kill you i'm like no, no. stop that, that right now <laughs> no that is not it but actually this like use of sarin gas and all that mm-hmm. became integral to their later plans for terrorism uh-huh. uh so june 27th 1994 the cult had their very first like big chemical weapons attack against civilians uh in the city of matsumoto mm-hmm. nagano okay and so they used like a they used sarin gas they converted this like refrigerator truck and they drove it over to they were in a lawsuit at the time that they were expected to lose okay. about one of their real estate properties mm. and so they they went to the home of where apparently um in this city all the judges lived in, like, one apartment complex. That does not sound safe. No, that is terrible plan. That is a horrible plan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all these judges lived in one apartment complex. What happened is they used this refrigerator truck, which they converted to hold, like, liquid sarin gas. Mm-hmm. And they had these things that would allow them to spray the sarin gas. Okay. And they parked near this pond. And then spray. they took, like, I think it was 12 gallons. Jeez. That might have been... A- too much but i think like 12 gallons of this liquidated gas and they sprayed it in the air and uh after that they killed eight people with the gas like literally because people had open windows and stuff like that and the gas would go through and they actually ended up killing eight people and injuring 500 people oh my god oh my it's also like the summertime too so like it's hella hot outside and like most people, like, who live in, like, rural areas, they don't, like, have AC. So yeah. that really sucks. Ooh. No, it's just, like, it, honestly, it's, like, ter- it's horrible. It's one of the worst ways that you can attack someone because it's just, like, it is just chaos, like, mm-hmm. just mass murder because it, what do you do? You can't stop a gas from spreading. Like, yeah. it, that's what it does. Mm-hmm. And so they knew, like, they were going to kill this many people. And they actually... After they did that, they left, went back to their real estate, mm-hmm. and 
they looked at they thought this one guy who actually lived in the town had committed the attack mm-hmm. they completely failed to like accuse the cult in any way even though they knew those three judges lived there they just completely ignored that and in the end like the cult was found to be behind this attack they Mm -hmm. called it the matsumoto sarin attack like it's pretty infamous because of how many casualties and injuries there were but they weren't accused of it like at all oh pretty much at the time one of the things that i did read which was really interesting was that when they were investigating they knew where the truck had been Mm -hmm. because they traced back like when they were trying to find the origin Mm -hmm. they went near that pond and it was like completely all dead fish all the plants Mm -hmm. were dead there were like dead dogs and animals all near where that truck had been just because they completely like killed everything when they let that gas out that's rough yeah so in December of 1994 and January of 1995, they start using uh, VX, which mm-hmm. is another type of chem- chemical weapon, and they use it to assassinate three people. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, one of the people that they killed was the first person to ever be killed by this particular chemical, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. And they actually attacked him because they thought he was a spy. And okay. it's just like they... This is how easy it was to use this nerve agent. They literally went up to him, sprinkled the VX on his neck, and then he died. Oh, my God. Like, that's after being in a coma for 10 days. Like, literally, there was no way to trace this to Uh them, which is why I think they were able to continue for so long. It's like there was no way... Ugh, there was no way to trace them and even after this guy had died after being in a coma doctors believed that he had been poisoned with something other than oh, vx no. and didn't connect the cult whatsoever that is so scary though like j- like they just sprinkled stuff on you and you don't even know what's happening yeah wow it's that's, honestly terrifying it's cruel yeah and in 1995 in february they also kidnapped this man named kiyoshi kira uh, i think mm-hmm. um he's almost 70 years old he was the brother of someone who had been in the cult and decided to desert and they actually took him near mount fuji near one of their biggest compounds which was Mm -hmm. like in the foothills at mount fuji and he was killed and they actually incinerated his body in a microwave powered incinerator Ah! and they disposed of his remains in a lake and oh he but however before he was abducted he called his sister and said if i'm abducted it's by the cult yeah so she like knew Mm -hmm. and because of that like death they the police were already like getting a little bit suspicious of the cult mm-hmm. at this time because of all the stuff that had been happening that was like weird and lots of weird chemical attacks and they knew that in the past they'd had biological and chemical weapons mm-hmm. and then this death happens and they're like okay there's definitely something going on yeah so they plan in march march 22nd 1995 we are going to raid all these facilities we're going to raid all their compounds and like see what's in there yeah lots of chemical weapons but of they decide course. they're going to do it and there were actually two members of the police force that were in the cult who tipped off Asahara oh about what was happening. And that's why he ordered the events that follow, which are probably, if you've heard of this cult at all, it's probably because of this. Mm-hmm. So. Getting like goosebumps for this part. <laughs> March 20th, 1995. It's a quiet, warm morning in Tokyo. Right? However, all members have something planned. Uh, five different subway trains 
five different coordinated attacks, three different lines during rush hour on the subways in Japan. And if you have never been to Japan, which I'm guessing most people have not, the subways are packed. It's not like New York. Like, Mm -mm. that is packed. This is, like, another level. It's like you are a sardine. Like, literally, (laughs) people all around. Like, Mm -hmm. especially during rush hour. Like, it's going to be hard to notice any suspicious activity because there are so many people going through so because like you can barely breathe like if you're like claustrophobic it is not a good idea to go on the train like during rush hour yeah because people are sweaty like people it just stinks in there too but then like when you're trying to move out of the train too people don't notice so you're like hey excuse me like move out of the way you have to push them and stuff it is brutal yeah it's really that was one of the things I was like, I don't want to push anyone, but that's mm-hmm. literally like you have to do you that. You can't get off there the is train. No option. Yeah. So they during the rush hour on the subways, they decide to attack three lines closest to the Diet. I believe that's how you pronounce it. The Japanese government buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is they have these ten members. So they they have these three like main subway lines they're attacking, but then they're doing different cars on yeah. every one of these lines. So there's 10 people who go out who are doing attacks with sarin gas. And they mm-hmm. actually not in gas form. They have it um, like in a solid form. Yeah. In bags. Mm-hmm. So they have five getaway drivers and five people who bring the sarin onto the trains. Yeah. So what happens is that they get onto the train with two packets of sarin, drop them on the ground, poke them so that it spills out over the floor during rush hour with uh-huh. all these people on the trains and then they get off and drive away with the driver so that's exactly what they did actually one of them accidentally poisoned himself but they had <laughs> antidotes in the cars like ready for oh, these okay. people because they knew exactly what they were yeah. intending to do they knew it was going to poison people yeah they were hoping also to kill some police officers who were getting on those lines because this was a reaction to yeah. the raid that was going to be happening um and because they knew it was near where the giant police like headquarters was um and so in the end after they like poked the sarin bags and got off the trains people started complaining about like oh my eyes are stinging it smells weird in here and people didn't know what was going on Mm -hmm. until people started to get nauseous people started to collapse like and then people knew oh i think there's an attack happening on this train and in the end 13 people were killed. 54 were severely injured. Oh. It's known for sure that almost 1,000 people were affected, oh but gosh. higher estimates place it closer to 6,000 people who Whoa. were actually affected by these... Oh, girl. ...by this terrorist attack. Terrorist attack. And it actually caused around 1,000 people to have severe vision problems because something that mm-hmm. sarin gas does is it causes your irises to literally close. Oh, ooh. Because ooh. they, like... Sorry for people who get weird about eyes, but it's just like <laughs> your eyes react to the gas by being like, nope, goodbye, mm-hmm. going back. That so their iris is closed. So some people went blind yeah, because oh of this. God. And so obviously, like, there's absolute chaos because there's so many trains who've been that have been mm-hmm. attacked. People don't know, like, what's going on. It's all over the floor. There's not enough ambulances to, like, take everyone yeah. who needs help to the hospitals. Mm-hmm. But it was like just absolute chaos and this is actually the largest domestic actually entire the largest terrorism attack mm-hmm. ever committed in japan yeah for sure. and like it's crazy like six thousand people that is affected by it oh that's insane 
that is crazy and this was the second time the reason they were eventually able to connect the uh, matsumoto chemical attacks to um the ohm cult yeah like was because of this attack because mm-hmm. of the um tokyo like sarin gas attacks yeah. and so they were able to connect them because well like what are the odds that two sarin gas attacks happen mm-hmm. and one happened only nine months before this um subway train incident so yeah. they were able to put that together and after that incident the police are like highly suspicious they're like okay we know something is going on and they start a full-scale investigation into mm-hmm. these guys and they realized then when they actually started investigating how much this cult was capable of and how little was known to the public like you've just experienced the largest terror attack in japan's history mm-hmm. and they go expecting to see like this cult that has you know sarin and just like a few members mm-hmm. and that's it yeah but when they actually go there they go to their base at the foothills of mount fuji and i called it a secret laboratory in my notes (laughs) they found chemical weapons explosives and a russian war helicopter what (laughs) what and they also found that they had enough sarin to kill a million people stockpiled in this base uh Afterward, there were claims that they had Ebola cultures and anthrax cultures growing there, but that was probably false, most uh-huh. likely. Like, people were making up myths about what happened, but it it was absolutely insane. They also found that they were uh, manufacturing um, acid and meth and of course. truth serum. Did the you know this is, is a thing? Okay, so apparently, I looked this up because I was like, truth serum, what? We're out here virum seruming, but... <laughs> It was, or no, Verita Serum. I think that's what it's called in the book, whatever. Um, But like, it was, it's like this chemical that makes people open to suggestion. However, there's no like absolute proof that it works 100%. But Mm -hmm. what it does is like makes you more susceptible to like influence. Oh no. And they were developing that. Scary. That is terrifying. Yeah. And then (laughs) the cult's like, uh, that was for fertilizers that was their statement what (laughs) after they found meth and they also found um millions of dollars in a vault they found Mm -hmm. gold and they found that they had prison cells which actually had prisoners in it including people who tried to get out of the cult Mm -hmm. they were literally holding them hostage oh yeah that's the that's the part that i watched when i was a kid like i was oh my god that's I don't know why I didn't think of any like anything of that because that's like hikey traumatizing, you know. <sighs> I mean, just the idea that they go into this base and it's literally just like, it's out of a movie. It's drugs and millions of dollars and people shoved in these tiny prison cells and like chemical warfare, mm-hmm. the stuff that can start literally a chemical war in Japan, and like helicopters it's just insane and then get this six weeks after the attack on the tokyo underground 150 cult members were arrested and that was a small amount of the cult oh no literally this cult was huge 150 members arrested that is insane Mm -hmm. and um this attack happened in march and then april 23rd 1995 this guy named uh hideo mirai who did mm-hmm. sciences for Om, was stabbed in a crowd of reporters 
because they didn't want him to talk. Literally in a crowd of a hundred reporters, he was stabbed right in front of them. Ooh, that yeah. is brutal. And then in Japan in 1995, they found burning paper bags in the toilets that contained cyanide gas. Oh my god! Enough, and there were like four different bags throughout the underground. And they found that there was enough cyanide gas to kill thousands of commuters, or around 10,000 commuters oh they believe gosh. could have been killed. Luckily, they were all found undetonated before they Ooh. went off. Like, literally, that's a fat W for the Japanese police because that's, mm-hmm. like, that could have been the largest terror attack that in Japanese history. horrifying, though. But, yeah, that was attributed the, to them as well. The bathrooms? Like, damn. Like, yeah. You're the most vulnerable there. Truly, oh my truly. God. honestly, that whole thing is just horrifying. Mm-hmm. And then, um, not only that, but then they find uh, in so through this whole thing, mm-hmm. they have not found Asahara. Yeah, still, and they're like, this guy is like the Osama bin Laden of Japan. Like he is literally, <laughs> he is number literally, one most he wanted. He looks like him too. He's really weird looking. I know. <laughs> it's really weird looking. It's a like for me, I looked at it as like a mix of like Osama bin Laden and like I don't know. I don't know. I mean Jesus. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's really like he was so wanted. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's like everyone's looking for this guy. Yeah. And he was he wasn't found until May 16th, 1995. Mm-hmm. And so remember I said they had like 14 different companies attributed to this cult and yeah. he was the leader. So he had access to all of them. And there were so many people in the cult that he was actually found hiding in the wall of one of his compounds Ooh. called the Sixth Station. And he was arrested and charged with 23 counts of murder and 16 other charges. And honestly, at 23 counts of murder, I'm like, you're going away forever. Mm-hmm. Like, goodbye. And after his arrest, he actually was in such a deteriorated mental state that he would only talk to his defense lawyers and no one else. Literally, after he got arrested, he stepped down as cult leader and stopped talking to everyone. After that, that day, so he never spoke another word to anyone he knew. Man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like he knows he's already like, you know, screwed basically. But yeah. like also that's man, that's really interesting how you like paranoia kind of like gets to you that far too. Mm-hmm. And like I mean it's his defense lawyers, so they're like the only people like he's supposed to like trust. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so on June twenty fifth, nine or June twenty first, nineteen ninety five uh, he actually acknowledged for the first time in public that he ordered the killing of this man named Kotaro Okaida, mm-hmm. um, who was a pharmacist. And he basically told another member of the cult, uh, of, he was like, told this own member, he was like, you need to strangle this guy or I'm going to kill you. And so that was like the first murder he actually admitted to. Um, <laughs> and like, just really quickly, I wanted to go through total like mm-hmm. here are all the biological and chemical attacks that this cult has committed oh my god thus far. there's more <laughs> like literally just in general and i'm not even doing the i'm not even going i'm gonna mention this um but you know how i talked about that lawyer earlier sakamoto yeah so after so six years after he was in 1995 after the cult was already suspected of all this activity they went back and looked at his murder yeah and they were able to based on information from the cult they were able to locate the bodies of him his wife and his child who had been murdered by the oh cult my gosh. because of this lawsuit Damn. 
Damn. So even before the chemical attacks, they had already murdered people. That's so sad. And they murdered a kid. Like the, a little kid. Brutal, Screw these people. Mm-mm. So in late 1993 early 1994 they tried to assassinate uh this guy who's uh the leader of a religious sect was sarin 1994 they used sarin to try to assassinate this guy named takamoto who was working on behalf of victims um of the group of the cult uh 1994 they tried to use sarin uh, or they used sarin in the matsumoto attack which was attributed to them after the um tokyo subway sarin attack um 1994 they attempt to assassinate this guy named igawa who was a journalist covering the disappearance of sakamoto and his family and they tried to use phosgene which is a biological agent i believe to Mm -hmm. try to kill him uh fall of 1994 they assassinate 20 ohm members who tried to leave the cult with vx oh my gosh uh 1990 december 12th 1994 they uh spray this guy with vx Mm -hmm. named uh hamaguchi who they like the cult thought that he was spying on them uh they kill him with vx from a syringe and he dies four days after that when he didn't even know literally they pretended to be runners 1995 uh they established this man named nagoka Mm -hmm. uh, and he was a person who represented the ohm victims group so like he basically represented all the people who had been able to leave the cult and felt they had been victimized by it they murdered him with vx uh then obviously march 20th 1995 the tokyo subway sarin attack their most deadly attack Mm -hmm. and then may 5th 1995 the um two bags that were found in the subway station in the bathrooms actually in a toilet with Mm -hmm. hydrogen cyanide yeah so Um, literally this cult we're looking at so much damage mm -hmm. so much damage and like i never even heard of it (laughs) (laughs) i was going through this i was like how did i ever hear about this but um october 10th 1995 uh the cult was stripped of its status as a religious entity oh finally and (laughs) declared bankrupt in 1996 Mm -hmm. they tried to dismantle it all together um later on in 1997 but eventually they decided that under freedom of religion they couldn't dismantle the cult technically um it was actually run by asahara's two sons who were 11 or 12 i believe after What? (laughs) what after he was arrested and they eventually renamed the cult LF and apologized for the attacks and killings. But the cult technically is still active today. Like, it is still... Oh, my God. It oh. has a different name. And they don't kill people anymore. That's still so Te- They don't really kill people anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, a... Um, it's still an active cult. But it's it's not like... It's not like it used to be, obviously, mm-hmm. in terms of the actual, like, oh, destruction. No. Um, but even though they apologized, I did read something that said there might have been an assassination committed by them even oh, after. Oh, God. So we don't like that at all. Yeah, I know. Um, so July 6th, 2018 was actually when, so in America, mm-hmm. we have a lot more people who get killed by the death penalty every year than in Japan, even though we don't have that many mm-hmm. compared to like the population differences. But um this was one of the biggest like groups of people like there were 13 people 
who were sentenced to death row. Oh, wow. Who were in like all cult. at once? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so they actually, even though this happened in the 80s and like the main activity of the cult was in 1995 that all these people got put on death row for, mm-hmm. they actually didn't execute anyone until 2018. Oh, yeah. Because they wanted mm-hmm. to make sure all their appeals ran out. Yeah. So on July 6th, 2018 shoko asahara the leader was executed um this man named ino the head of intelligence and chief coordinator for the attack Mm -hmm. was uh killed this guy named nimi he was a getaway driver for someone who did the subway attack he was he was not i guess executed Mm -hmm. uh nakagawa he was someone who killed the sakamoto family he was executed um then the construction minister of the group who strangled a young man who was in the cult in 1990 in 1989 he was killed uh endo the head scientist who created all the chemical weapons he was executed and then the chief chemist and director of the sarin gas Mm -hmm. creation was also executed all this year and then (laughs) so you already that's six people Mm -hmm. and then 20 days later july 26 2018 they um execute this man named hiyashi who helped with the tokyo subway attack Hiros tokyo subway attack toyota tokyo subway attack uh yokoyama tokyo subway attack um and then two men who also helped commit the sakamoto family murders all executed july 26 2018 and i can't say i'm mad about it (laughs) you know i just like i think of literally the 13 people that died in the just because they were taking the train home or the 20 people who tried to leave the cult who were murdered or the family that was killed just for being in a lawsuit with the cult and i'm like i'm not that mad like Mm -hmm. i feel that i mean it really i feel like it really depends sometimes with the cult because i have differing opinions when it comes to cult like when i do the manson murders i will explain why i don't believe some of the manson cult followers should be on death row or should Mm -hmm. be in prison because i don't i think they were actually like influenced and brainwashed into killing people but this i don't see any evidence that these people were brainwashed into like they may have thought the apocalypse is coming sure Mm -hmm. but there is a difference between being high and being told go murder this person and spending months and months creating a sarin like gas so that you can murder hopefully dozens and dozens of people to avoid police capture so it's like this cult is insane it is really brutal because like to think of it like just like the manson like cult and stuff like that too i think this one is like also really different in a way like they these those people in the Manson like cults they went to stabby stabby kind yeah. of murder but this is like I think it's a whole nother level of cruelty because yeah not just you know not just with the strangling and the murders and stuff but also people were like murdered with biological stuff and like you don't see that coming do you you no. no, like at least like in well that's this is a really dark but like at least when you're like getting physically murdered like that you have an opportunity to protect yourself because you see it happening right in front of you most likely but in this case you never know what's coming for you and it's a brutal way to go mm-hmm. like it is a it is not like a slow and easy slide no. into the light it's like a brutal difficult like anthrax 
makes you creates these like giant ulcers all over your body that like make you die a slow and painful death and like sarin is such a painful way to die like Mm -hmm. it's really brutal brutal and it's just so like it is so it is meant for mass destruction and like the reason i think this cult is so interesting to me is because they operate almost more like an army than a Mm -hmm. cult yeah because i look at other instances of like when do you see use of chemical weapons and i think of like Like, syria you mm -hmm, know like when the army yeah the or like private armies and things like that who have used chemical weapons they are so illegal Mm -hmm. chemical weapons like to the point that it's it's like no one in the world no country no one is supposed to have chemical weapons like at all because it is just so inhumane because the only reason you use it is to kill a mass group of people it's it is like nuclear weapons in the sense of it's not intended to like you're like there was no target this was just senseless like chaos and destruction just a bunch of innocent civilians too and oh that makes me like really paranoid because now that you bring it up like oh they might have done something i'm like i might be going back in the summer so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't mean to freak you out even more, but oh, their no. most recent activity was January 1st, 2019. No! <laughs> when a man who was a sympathizer um, told the police that he intentionally killed uh, a person by... So this, like, really freaks me out because it reminds me a lot of Charlottesville. Charlotte... That was not right. Charlottesville? Like the... Is that the, the right white pronunci- lives Yeah, thing? yeah, oh, that okay. whole thing. So this man basically, there was this street in Harajuku, like, and he basically took his car and just ran into a crowd oh of people. God, no. And eight people were injured. One person was killed on New Year's Day. And he said he was doing it in as a, like, payback for the execution of the members of the cult. Oh. And that was in 2019. A little bit freaky. And that just freaked me out because I was like, oh, that really, like... Have you seen um, the Vice documentary on Charlottesville? No, but I like I know what happened. It's like, just like the thing that you don't think about that is like when someone runs into a crowd, you might think, oh, well, we just heard about like 13 murders or three mm-hmm. murders, whatever. One murder, like in your head, you're kind of just going, oh, that's not as bad. But then mm-hmm. it's like the chaos that comes because of that or like the fear that you're causing people it's like the people who are around that are just gonna be scarred for like the rest of their lives so many people are like have been affected by this whole thing and the fact that it still continues to affect people today is like terrifying and really distressing oh my gosh and like so he just like ran people over basically right yeah and like harajuku is uh one of like the most like populated districts in uh tokyo because it's attracts a lot of like tourists yeah and like there's a in like um the biggest part of it is like there's the kawaii culture there so a bunch of little kids would go there too so i'm just thinking like how many more children are they gonna get now because a lot of teenagers go there to like go shopping and stuff so yeah that's scary so that is I just ran into the mic, guys. <laughs> that is the, like, end of the cult activity thus far. Technically, mm. it's not the same cult anymore. Um, all the, like, OM members uh, are kind of disappearing or have been executed. Let's hope. Or arrested. <laughs> but, and now it's called Aleph, so it's, like, a totally different thing. But it's still, like, there are remnants of it. It's like any cult, you know? Heaven's mm-hmm. Gate is technically still active. Like, it's like any cult. 
it's gonna have active members but it seems like the japanese government has done everything they can to be yeah. like stop that immediately mm-hmm. or we will execute you mm-hmm. so you're probably safe when you go yeah, back let's, let's but hope. this cult is just like it's crazy mm-hmm. it spans like 40 years and like so hundreds of members it russia actually in 2016 did invasions on people's homes who they believe to be a part of this cult oh my god because like it had far-reaching impacts mm-hmm. like around the globe and it's just crazy to think that like i never heard about this and it's huge it's basically mm-hmm. like a small army that killed so many people in japan where you're like holy crap it's just yeah it's insane Cults are really scary they are because it's just like it's the same reason I'm terrified of gangs. Yeah. Which is, like, when you're in this mass group of people, like, you can justify anything. Mm-hmm. Like, they they will do anything because if you have so many people feeding into your craziness, like, it just makes you crazier. Yeah, that's so true. And, like, especially with, like, how much power you have, like, you don't, you have so much you're capable of and, like, the little individuals that are in it, like, once you decide to get out, your life is over. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, they would kill you. Oh, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. What are your overall thoughts about this case? Oh, my God. So I learned a lot. So that was <laughs> great. Um, I had no idea about a bunch of these things because, like, you know, when you think, like, terrorist attack, you usually think, like, oh, it's like a bombing or something. Yeah. But, like, this is a whole different kind. So, you know, I think it's even more scarier in a way. I agree. Yeah. So, I mean... Man, I this is a lot to learn about like my culture, <laughs> but like I think I can I can really like figure out why like this is all happening, especially because like even if it was just even if it was like high class higher class people who were in this like cult, like you know there was like a like there was like I think it was a big recession or something and like um around that time so like I, th- I feel like a lot of people had some uncertainty even with. Like, even if they were in the power, like, in a power, in a position of power or something. And it's scary that, like, you have no idea who's going to be in it. And, I don't know, what they're going to do to you. And if you, like, speak up about it. And, like, speaking up, it's something really, like, difficult to do. Because, like, I feel like a lot of these people who weren't in the cult, like, they have the, you know, the bystander effect in a way. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. So, it's scary. Because, like, if you do something, like you're dead and that's i think like i think that's like kind of one of the worst parts of cults yeah <laughs> and it's also interesting because like just as a culture in general japan doesn't have that much crime yeah. like it is compared to the rest of the world it's like very low in crime very low in terror attacks mm-hmm. like um unfortunately there's obviously like a really high suicide rate which yeah. i think a lot of people know but it's in terms of like crime people killing other people and things there's like it's barely existent Mm -hmm. so then this in the culture at the time like was just a huge shock like an upset because this had never happened before Mm -hmm. like i think that from what i read about it it's almost like on the same level as like a 9-11 attack where Mm -hmm. it's just completely like it changes everything in the sense of like this has never happened before Mm -hmm. to us and like what are we going to do now it's one of the reason why they killed so many they executed so many people because of this because they're making this is a statement you know this is like don't do this don't Don't mess with us Mm -hmm. yeah like i think like it's just 
it's very wild. I feel like a lot of the people who might be listening might be thinking like, because Japan has this like whole like, you know, image of, you know, it's so like, you know, everyone's polite and like, it's everything's so clean. Like there's nothing, I don't know, people like really romanticize it. And like, I don't know, because there's a lot of like jacked up shit going on like behind. <laughs> and like, I feel like a lot of, especially with, um, my gosh, I'm like really scared for the youth now because I feel like a lot of these things like cults again might be a thing again because um, a lot of like people are like, you know, going through a lot of like mental health issues and like yeah high rates of suicide and depression and like not a lot of that is like talked about. And like, especially with the leader, like Asahara, he was like going insane straight up. And like, we might see more people who might turn out like that and you know, that's really unfortunate because if you yeah. don't get the help, especially because like it's mental health is like a whole taboo in Asian culture in general. So if you don't if you don't get the access to like deal with it or like to overcome it, you don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's such a good. Yeah. I 100 percent agree. I think it's just so like. I don't know. I guess my thought about it is just that I think people People just want, like, something to do. Mm-hmm. Something, like, people just <laughs> want, like, somewhere to belong, no yeah. matter, like, who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that in this case, it was very much a sense of, like, wanting to feel like you know something that no one else knows yeah. or gets. Like, the whole, it's going to be an apocalypse and I am Christ and, like, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, wanting to. And it makes sense to me then that it would be these upper class, like, acad- yeah. academics because it's, like, I know more than you, mm-hmm. like, to this, brought to yeah. this next level. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's like terrifying. It's a power and control thing, you know. 100%. To have knowledge is power, so. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, on that <laughs> slightly upsetting note, <laughs> I think it's time to transition to my favorite segment of the show. Happy things. Ooh. Oh, my God. I caught a little bit of goosebumps right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a nice noise. It reminds me of fairies. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so on this section of the show, we kind of we call it the kicker in broadcast journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to say like one good thing that happened in our week or one good thing that's going to happen in our week that you're like looking forward to or excited about. Do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. So this week, I um, I have two things. The first one is that I bought a concert ticket to a Harry Styles show where oh. I'm going to be barricade like Oh my god. I'm going to be touching the stage. People who listen know how much I talk about Harry Styles. I'm so excited Girl, for it. Like I'm so jealous. I'm so excited. But mm-hmm. like it it was a lot like really expensive. Like I'm so broke. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Like I know I'm gonna enjoy it and like remember yeah. it for the rest of my life. So I'm really happy about that. And then second, it why did I develop like a slight southern accent <laughs> there? But uh second is that for Valentine's Day, Harley so my favorite candy from like seas is this thing called a scotch mellow so it's like marshmallow mm-hmm. and then caramel oh. and so at seas you know how you can get those like assorted boxes of yeah. chocolate so for valentine's day harley got me a box of chocolate but only scotch mellows oh which so was cute. so sweet and so that is my other happy that's thing adorable. we had such a fun valentine's day oh. <laughs> all right what are your happy things um, like my, i don't know compared to all of that it's not like that big of a deal but. i had a big week some weeks mine are lame <laughs> <laughs> but um so i guess like today kind of happened i was um i was going to the gym with my friend sean and um basically like i've been trying to do this thing where i 
I do weights, like I do weightlifting, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and I've been really trying to like you know challenge myself further and further, and I kind of like reached a new record today of like doing sixty pounds. Like, Ooh, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so much stronger than me. <laughs> Literally, I pick up a ten, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. is really heavy. <laughs> yeah, no, it takes uh, so much practice, and I'm like, I don't know, I'm just really excited about like. Um, I don't know, forming a new relationship with like fitness because that's been something awesome. I want to work on. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, I think with that, it's time to end the episode here. Okay, yeah. All right, thank you guys so much for listening this week. Um, This was such a fun episode. Like mm-hmm. I'm honestly stoked about how this episode turned out. I'm excited to edit it. So thank <laughs> you guys so much for listening. Um, If you want to find Horrible Things on a day when it's not a Tuesday, you can go ahead and find us online at Horrible Things Podcast, or you can support on Patreon at patreon.com slash horrible things. If you want to support in another way, you can go ahead and leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. But most importantly, guys, the just thank you so much for listening like your support (laughs) means the world i genuinely appreciate every single person who takes the time to listen to this podcast and it's just like been consistent and amazing like owie is one of those people who like your support literally like everyone's support (laughs) means the world i appreciate it so much and it makes this so fun to do Mm -hmm. and other than that i think i just want to tell you guys that it's really important that you just have to remember if someone tells you they're the second coming of christ they're probably not Well, don't use LSD as fertilizer. And most importantly, don't don't do horrible horrible things. things.